In a world where fans have grown tired of the same old cookie-cutter Comic-Con formats, only one con defies the odds. Only one Comic-Con stands what fans really want. Only one Comic-Con dares calls itself terrific. That's right, this August 17th through the 19th at the all-new giant-sized Mohegan Sun Expo Center in Uncasville, Connecticut, comes Terrific Con! Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con is back with New England's largest gathering of comic book artists and writers. Plus, Terrific Con delivers actors from your favorite TV shows and movies. And there's an all-new expanded gaming section as we give you tabletop gaming, video games, and so much more. Plus, don't forget, all kids 10 and under get in free at Terrific Con and can be part of the all-new All Yeah Kids Comic Con. Join us for three full days of Comic-Con action only in Connecticut at TerrificCon. For more information, go to our website, www.terrificcon.com. Hey, everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. A great way to celebrate the Fourth, a conversation with Mark Wade. One of my favorites, both personally and professionally, it... Uh, I've known Mark now for about 12 years, and uh, he never disappoints, both personally and professionally. Always great stories, uh, both uh, fictionally and uh, anecdotally, and uh, it's great to share this conversation with you. We go overtime. Mar- I, lo- I love Mark, but I always love the fact that usually he wants to keep things under an hour, and like, uh, let's, let's keep it short, okay? And we'll come back, we'll do more, which he does, he always comes back. Uh, we talk about Doctor Strange, he just started his uh, new run. And uh, we also talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, another new run that he started. He just wrapped up, or is wrapping up, I should say, his Captain America run, which has just been outstanding. Uh, We talk about all those things. We also talk a little bit about uh, current culture war controversies that Mark has found himself in the middle of. Uh, Dangling participle there. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, always interested in Mark's opinions, and uh, I think uh, he is a strong advocate for those who recently, let's be honest, have been bullied by uh, the alt-right. It's one thing to disagree and not like a product that's coming out. It's another thing to personally attack uh, people at uh, some of these comic book companies. And uh, there has been evidence of some of these people on the alt-right of doing that. Uh, There was a big uh, controversy. I guess uh, one of the alt-right guys uh, ran an Indiegogo fund to uh, make a new uh, graphic novel. Uh, and uh, it's called Drawbreakers, I believe, and uh, Antarctic Press was going to publish it, and uh, all of a sudden then Antarctic Press heard about, uh, you know, some of the treatment of uh, maybe, you know, people that disagreed with the alt-right and how they personally went out to attack, uh, again, people in the comic book industry and even lousier people in the comic book retailing industry, and uh, it just got really, really ugly. And uh, Mark, uh, you know, uh, found himself uh, part of that debate. And I just wanted him to kind of clarify where he came from, why he did what he did, and uh, understand the, the, the controversy a little bit clearer from one of its participants. So uh, it's, it's great to talk to Mark. I think it's a good discussion about what's happening today, uh, both in the comic book world and uh, in our, our regular world as well. As I say, the culture wars at a, at a high fever pitch. We're all aware of it. We're all living it right now. So I, I wanted to hear uh, Mark's point of view. And he was very uh, candid about uh, his feelings. So, in fact, it's uh, it's a little uh, word sensitive. If, uh, if you've got children listening to the show, um, I might suggest as we get into that conversation, you may want to uh, switch off and uh, wait and uh, listen to this uh, with a more adult audience. 
because uh, it, it gets a little raw, but I think it needs to, to understand the level of rudeness that has been going on. So uh, also, I, I should say, shame on me, uh, we also talk about Archie 1941, which I am really excited about. Uh, 1941 was the debut of Archie. And uh, much like the recent really good Archie stories that I, I love the the classic Archie, you know, format. I grew up on it. I still love it. I think it's really fun. But I also appreciate uh, the things that Veronica Fish, one of Mark's collaborators, and Chip Zdarsky, Mark himself, have contributed to Archie and trying to make it a little more real world. And uh, Archie 1941 is going to be 1941 real world. And we're going to get a feeling of World War II's home front from a Riverdale perspective. I'm really excited about that. That's going to start in the fall, and Mark gives us a preview of that. So lots of great conversation with Mark Wade, uh, and I think fitting for the 4th of July weekend on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners, my own superhero league that uh, helps support me uh, via Patreon and uh, what I'm trying to do here at Word Balloon. Thank you very much, League. Uh, more new subscribers have jumped on in the last couple days, and I thank you very much for your support. Uh, it makes it easier to uh, make this show and uh, continue to go to conventions and make the new connections uh, that uh, provide us with great conversation. And I try each week to give you as, as many word balloons as I can, sometimes more than one uh, a week. Word balloon is free. It'll always be free. But if you want to help the cause, you can go to patreon.com slash word balloon or the front page of wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad. But thank you very much for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Let's look at some great Mark Wade product waiting for you at great prices at InStockTrades.com. The classic Superman Birthright, Mark Wade, Lanil Yu, a uh, 12-issue miniseries that uh, was a great retelling of Superman's origin. Lots of this was used in Smallville and other elements of uh, Superman TV and film. 42% off, $11.59. You can also get uh, Hunter Killer, Volume 1. This was a great thing that he did for Top Cow. Mark Wade, Mark Silvestri, uh, 42% off, $11.49. There's also Captain America, Red Glare, the premier hardcover. Mark doing the uh, writing. Andy Kubert and Lee Weeks doing the art. This is 42% off. And uh, this is, man, this is when Captain America had no powers and he had uh, the armor uh, that uh, tried to still fight the good fight when he was still uh, skin and bone Steve Rogers uh, when they wore off the super soldier formula. This is 42% off, $17.39. There's also uh, Captain America, American Nightmare, which also features the writing of Kurt Busick and Roger Stern along with Mark Wade. Andy Kubert and Patrick Zercher among the artists. Uh, 42% off. It's $14.49. There's also Mark's great run on Brave and Bold. Uh, Mark Mark uh, doing the writing, Scar Collins uh, doing uh, the art, and this is uh, Brave and Bold, Demons and Dragons, 42% off, $10.43. And then there's Amazing Spider-Man, Family Business, the original graphic novel that was co-written with Mark and James Robinson, 42% off, $14.49. Some of the great Mark Wade product you will find at great prices at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. You'll find it at uh, the website. And don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping. One of my favorites. It's a, it's a great online bookstore, and they're great people. And they treat you right. InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into our very interesting conversation with Mark Wade on today's Word Balloon. 
Oh, I'm always happy to welcome Mark Wade back to Word Balloon. Dude, I could talk to you every week. You know that. Thank you. You're very kind. Yeah, you know, I think by this point, you know, it's first of all, we all we have these mutual loves of things beyond comics. We're of that we same era and everything, and uh, and also, yeah, man, you uh, you continue to crank out great stories. I am thrilled with your uh, current Marvel work, and uh, Thank certainly, you. Yeah, absolutely, and certainly loved. Uh, yeah, I know you wrap things up with your run of champions, and you're mm-hmm. uh, winding down on Captain America. Any thoughts on those before we get to the the new stuff? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, it was you know, it was a kick to obviously it was a real kick to do Captain America again, but only with Somni. I said I would only do it with Somni because that's like my fourth bite of that apple. Yes. And, and and if I've learned anything, anything in comics, never go back. Never go back to what you did before because people will judge you against how good they remember it being sure. versus how good it actually may have been. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but also now that's funny. You were saying that in terms of Cap, but you know I I've loved everything you've done with Chris, and uh, you guys are such a great team. It really is this beautiful matchup. And I mean, thank you. Yeah, and well, and I and truly respected both of you for years prior to you getting together. And every run has just been exceptional. Whether it's been Daredevil or Black Widow or. Uh, you know, obviously this uh, this run wrapping up on Cap, and even I, I really enjoy. I mean, am also enjoying these uh, these other artists that you've got as you wind down. I know Chris has since left the book, but uh, yeah, no, I, I like these like little 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 one shots that you've been doing since uh, seven hundred. That was a lot of. Those have been a lot of fun. I mean, it's a, you know, basically we needed four months four months to vamp. Um, you know, when I came on the book, I remember I sat down with Tanahasi. And I said to him, look, I, you should be writing this book, not me. Like, I enjoy writing this book, but you should be writing this book because that's an important moment. And I wouldn't have given up, given it up for anybody but uh, ta So <laughs> it was a good experience, but he needed a few extra months to ramp up. So sure. Tom Brevoort called, hey, we need a couple of extra months worth of books. Can we do four issues and do something special? And that gave me a chance to... Yeah, do a story is, you know, for those who haven't picked it up, it's a story of Cap's distant descendant in the 23rd, 24th century. <laughs> uh, and and uh, the trials and tribulations he's going through at the same time, every time he's a historian, so he's constantly looking back on what would Cap have done? What would Cap do? And so that gave us a chance to do a bunch of vignettes that tie into the main story. And every time you see him... By, with a different artist, whether it's Alan Davis or Howard Chaikin or, yeah. or whoever, doing like a three or four page segment that is a direct reflection on what's happening in the in the present day continuity of the book. And it's been fun to bounce back and forth like that or to write for, like, again, my wish list of, of really great guys to do Gap with. Now, I know you're going to remember this uh, old Batman story that I'm sure I read in, a hun- in an original 100 page spectacular. But those Batman from the future stories where that guy Brain – didn't he become? Yeah, brain. Yeah, brain Taylor. Yep, <laughs> the Batman of the far future. Yes, that's some of that was on my mind. I'll tell you the truth. Some of that was on my mind. The uh, Superman of twenty nine sixty six. Some of that was on my yes. mind. You know, Brevor and I talked the same language, so I mean, that was kind of in our, both our heads as we were going. <laughs> that's great, man. Fantastic. No, that's great, and, and it is truly. It's a great way to close out uh, your run. And and do these fun stories and stuff and yeah, good palate cleanser for for Tanahasi when he when he takes over. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm really uh, t- it, tell me what you can about the writers' room now in the Marvel retreats because it has changed 
you know, a lot, a lot of a uh, lot of new faces now at the table. It seems a lot of new faces. Yeah, I, but I got to tell you, it's still the same spirit, which I love. Like there is no, there's no contentiousness. There's no bitterness. There's no. You get a bunch of people in that room talking about what they want to be doing and their books and how they want to approach these characters. And then we just throw ideas back and forth. There's a lot of back and forth in that room. And there's, you know, very, you know, nobody ever like flips over the table and storms out. Good. Um, not anymore anyway. So, um, <laughs> you know, we've, we've kind of weeded those guys out. Uh, but no, it's, you know, sometimes it gets a little, then on rare occasions, sometimes it gets a little sort of professionally contentious, you know, like as, you know, people have very – they love these characters. All of us love those characters. We're all in the room. So, you know, there's times it become a, a quick argument about whether or not this character would do that or how that character would react. And But it's, you know, it's, it's – then we all have beers afterwards. It's great. Sure. Well, it's it sounds like, you know, kind of a sports bar sort of atmosphere. And if anything, because I remember those from previous – Marvel retreats where, well, Doctor Strange would never do that. Or uh, right. I loved the whole uh, when Doctor Strange's hands were crushed by the Hulk, who would be yeah. the next Sorcerer Supreme and it ultimately becoming Doctor Voodoo, the former brother Voodoo, of course. Right. And, former and, brother Voodoo, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's like really, it's funny hearing, you know, these things of, yeah, the different voices. Well, he'd never do that. How, what are you talking about? Of course he'd do that. And that's yeah. great, man. That's beautiful. That's that's comics. That's that's your conversation in the comic store. I got to tell you, some of the best ideas for somebody else's book come out of that room. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times it's, you know, if you see something you love in a Marvel comic, there's a non-zero chance that that came from some other writer in that room. And we were all just having a great time swapping ideas back and forth with no ego. That's excellent, man. Well, there's a lot of guys now like Donny Cates and Matt, uh, Matt um, Rosenberg. Matthew yep. Rosenberg, right? Yeah, okay. I'm, I was going to say that I've met briefly at cons, and I'm like, God, i got to get you guys on Word Bowl and forgive the ego. But it's like, yeah. you know, no, I love what these guys are doing, and I think there is a, a new, you know, zest of creativity going on with these new voices. Um, tell me about uh, CB being EIC. How's that going? Well, it's going great. I mean, he's – you know, he knows the characters. He loves these characters. He loves this world. He's got an amazing eye for artists, which is true, enormously helpful because it's a room full of writers. Um, so he thinks in visual terms, thinks about what the look of the book is going to be like. Uh, no, he's got a real. I think he's. I think he's still really sort of gelling what his concrete vision of the Marvel universe is. But I could be wrong. I mean, I could. He. I could be two or three months behind on that. Um, okay. Uh, but that is no, in no way to say that he doesn't have a strong direction, a strong hand. Uh, but he's good on story too, man. I mean, we, we sat down and we did another smaller conference that I can't really talk about right now, but we'll be talking about that in a couple of months for another upcoming project with a smaller group of writers. And he showed up for the whole day and it isn't me and Brevoort and him and a few other writers. And man, he was on fire. He was just right there and he didn't say a whole lot, but when he did speak, it was like, that's a really good idea. Or, that's a very good point. So it's you know it's good to have somebody in there who and there's some humility to it. Like he's, I don't I don't do well with as you know don't do well with executive editors with a giant chip on their shoulder or something to prove. Um, I like guys who have a little bit of humility to them, and that's you know CB and Spades. That's awesome, man. No, and that's he's always struck me as that kind of guy in our in our conversations as well. So no, I'm really happy for him having the job. And again, I think uh, 
there's a there's a really good sense of new voices and and interesting ideas. Well, based on what you just said about a potential or a, a project that is coming up in a couple months, we've been hearing teasings of summer, you know, some big summer announcements that are coming. I'm assuming that might be one of these announcements. I'm thinking San Diego is probably where they're going to make the play on this one. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Well, I'm glad we're talking before San Diego. Hey, I'm not going to be there, and you just told me off the air you're not going to be there either. Uh, and yeah, I wanted to get a bunch of uh, creators such as yourself before everybody does get busy with the sure. rush of San Diego and everything. So I'm glad I'm glad we're talking. Well, on to the current projects. So you sure. Got, so you got Doctor Strange and Ant Man and the Wasp. Is there anything else current that I'm missing? There is. Let me try to do the math on this. Oh, and I do um, know another non-Marvel thing that I did want to briefly talk about as well. Archie, nineteen forty-one. Well, that's the other. That's the other thing. Yeah, those the, those are the three right now. Okay. Archie for nineteen forty-one. Uh, Doctor Strange and Ant Man, and it's you know normally I have two or three more additional products on top of projects on top of this, but man, I just got to a point. There's two things going on. One is I just kind of got to a point in the spring where I just felt like I haven't had a vacation in a long, long time, <laughs> and I've earned it. And I'm also doing a lot more outside gaming work these days. Interesting. Blizzard and Activision and and outfits like that. Uh, Consulting work, some writing work. Uh, A few of us at Marvel Comics get a chance to dabble in that that pool, having nothing to do with Marvel Comics. We've known each other because we're fellow Marvelites or whatever. Uh, And that scratches a really interesting itch and certainly makes up for whatever I'm turning down in terms of scripting. So I don't have to worry about, you know, banging, banging a tin cup, you know, shaking a tin cup in your face and saying, <laughs> I created impulse. Give me a dollar. <laughs> You're not there but yet. But the game, the, the gaming work, I mean, it's really what's comics writer guys are really good at video game stuff because it's about economy of storytelling. Same as it is with with comics. The, what can you do to get the most amount of information across? In the least amount of time and the most valuable, you know, use those minutes valuably. Use those minutes preciously. So uh, that's something we're good at. We're not, you know, we're, we're good at the, the terseness of it. That's excellent. Are you able to talk about what IPs you're working on or no? no I can't really write. I don't think I can right now. There's stuff that's already okay. come out. Um, What's coming out? Can I talk about? It? I don't know that I can talk. Right. I don't know that I can talk about it. I can say that <laughs> it was. Good. I can. I can say that it was a. It was a big one. And what was cool about it was. Every once in a while, for the like two or th- two weeks or so before leading up to it, and as it was coming out, I could walk by my television and I would hear the commercial, and I would hear, "Oh, I wrote that line of dialogue," or "Oh, hey, that's me." Outstanding. That was kind of fun. That's great. Go, oh, good lord! I can only imagine what that feels like. That's fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Very, very cool. Well, let's talk about uh, first of all. Let's talk about Archie nineteen forty one because that's not out yet, and you can kind of tell us. You know, I, I'm assuming now. I know the year is obviously the year that Archie debuted in Pep. Is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I and I would guess, given 1941, are we going to get kind of a Riverdale home front uh, during the war year kind of uh, feel yeah. for the story? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's you know they uh, they came to me about this about a year and a half ago. Mike Pellerito and and uh, the guys at Archie mm-hmm. came to me and said, well, you know, we want to see about doing this as a five issue miniseries. We think this could be a really cool idea. And I thought about. It. I'm not. I don't normally write historical fiction, but. That was an interesting take. Is what can you do with these characters and and make it a little not more serious, but you know a little less goofy, if you will, because sure. of the, just because of the time. Um, what can you do? And so I came up with a with a long outline that we liked a lot, uh, and then it just sat there for like a year. I for whatever reason it just kind of sat around for a year, and then they called me back 
a few months ago and said, well, you know, we'd like to get this back on the schedule. I said, this is great, but I'm, I'm really wrapped up with stuff right now. Can I bring in, you know, a heavy hitter? Can I bring in uh, Brian Augustine, who I've been working with forever? Yes. You know, Brian and I had buddies at DC Comics 30 years ago. Gotham by Gaslight and, uh, among the uh, yeah, Gotham, Yep, Gotham by Gaslight, Brian Augustine, yeah. And, you know, we worked together on Flash for all those years and stuff. We've yes. done projects over and on. We haven't worked together for a while, but this seemed like a perfect fit because Brian's smart about that stuff. Brian's hipper into the historical angle that I am. And so it just became, let's take the outline, let's knock it around, let's let's see what we can do with it. And give it, you know, give it an atmosphere and a feel to it. Brian's really carrying the torch on terms of the feel and the atmosphere of it. He was talking about, you know, I'm doing the research and, it, you know, we didn't get into the war, obviously, until, you know, early December 1941. Right, so, right. Was, but you don't want to do a whole lot of stuff before that because that's single that's the most interesting thing that happened in 1941 agreed so you know you lead up to it so the first issue is basically pre-pearl harbor setting the stage and and the idea that the archie kids some of them are going off to college some of them are going away to school some of them have graduated they don't know what they're going to do but they've all graduated in summer of 1941 oh interesting where do you go from there yeah and so you know i mean this is a time when there really wasn't even such a thing as a teenager yet as we know them today. That was a post-war invention. Teenagers, yes, they were kids in their teenage years, but they didn't, you know, they didn't just hang out and goof around and do right. stuff all the time. They were expected to carry their weight. Right, you know? either go to school or get to work. And uh, hey, yes. man, my da- my dad was a fourteen-year-old that quit quit high school and went to work at fourteen. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, so. That's a little less carefree in, in that time and a lot more expected of these kids from the adults in their life. So we're you know playing into that, leaning into that, and then you get a chance to really get a sense once Pearl Harbor hits how the town reacts. It's, it's not 100%. And you think back to those times, even going into the war, even in October, November, you know, leading up to where we're going into the war. And we're obviously, as Americans, we're aware of what's going on overseas. Yes. But the idea of intervention is not universally embraced right. over here. The idea, yes, that, and there are going to be certain people in Riverdale, there's going to be certain adults in Riverdale who, once war is declared, are like, not my boy. You know, not my, not my son. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Why yeah. Did, yeah. And, 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 you know, and making a good case for it. On the other hand, you got somebody like uh, Veronica's dad who is doing some really, you know, making a real killing in uh, munitions, not just for the Americans, but remember a lot of these guys, the Rockefellers, the, uh, the Bushes. You know, yeah. Exactly. Frankly, they were, they the, were all, yeah. The Prescott Bushes, the 40, yes. 41's father or grandfather, I forget which. Yeah, timeline. Making, it would probably be the father. Go on, making some good bank. Yeah, you know, overseas yeah. dealing yeah. with dealing with powers that aren't Axis powers yet, but some of the you know, I mean, it, you know what we forget things. Brian pointed this out. I mean, it wasn't illegal to do business with Germany, right? Until World War II, until we in, until we in, you know, entered the war, it was you could do that kind of stuff, and a lot of people wouldn't give it a second thought. Agreed. So. Yeah. Well, even Hollywood was cranking out movies, and obviously the international market was important to them, and yeah. and you know would have to be careful with story subjects because you're right in those uh, pre-America entering the war years. Well, we don't want to inf- offend the Germans. 
And really? Right. We don't want exactly. to offend the Germans? And it's like, right. yeah, you know, know again, it's and it's so, it's so easy, Mark, and you know it too, to look back and have a much more, you know, uh, evolved view of that time. And it's like, well, that's not fair. I mean, and again, I'm not making any excuses for no, this, not, for this behavior, but it was a legitimate debate of, well, it's not our war. Why should we get involved? Also, that's happening there. Right. Also, There's a whole ocean right. in between us and everything. Also, it wasn't on everyone's mind 24-7 because there was no 24-7 news, for God's sake. Right. You know, Dad got the newspaper after work, and that was your source of news. And, you know, radio would kick in, and maybe something would happen there, and you'd hear something. But by and large, you know, we're not in that 24-7 news cycle back then. And it's easy to, you know, it's hard to re- remember a time when we weren't perpetually in a state of, of Outrage and information twenty four seven. Yes, and, know, inf- and information glutted with information at any given time. You're right, and you know, even from a radio standpoint, um, I'm a huge as being a broadcaster myself, uh, his broadcast history nerd. And Edward R. Murrow in the 30s is in London and going, "Hey, shit's going down, New York, CBS. We got to cover this." And they're like, "Oh no, no, no! Stick to covering the opera. Stick to covering all the cultural yeah. stuff. Let's not get into the politics. We yeah. shouldn't really be involved." And it literally wasn't until. World War Two. that suddenly CBS uh, broadcasting and radio broadcasting became very – NBC as well – became very important to uh, the daily news cycle and radio was a huge part of it. But it wasn't until, like you said, after the war. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's – it's it's been a lot of fun writing this stuff. I, I mean, bet. Peter Crow and Peter Kraus doing the art. Excellent, your old pal, you know, my, absolutely. My old pal on Irredeemable, um, uh, and he's. I mean, it's just he's tailor-made for this thing he's just tailor-made for this thing it's less slapstick comedy um less you know less comedy in general i would say it's still there's still i want to say there's still some funny in every issue because it's still archie comic but Mm -hmm. you know there there are grimmer times and the the only swerve i had to make and this came late in the game this is one of those rare times when i had a project ready to go and then i found out something that screwed everything too late and that was that I was building the whole thing around, you know, what are our boys going to do when the war hits? What, sure. if, what if the drafts? What if the draft starts? Well, what yeah, happens absolutely. Then boys? <laughs> well, yeah. But John, here's a fun fact: What was the age of draft in 1941? It wasn't 18. It was 21. Wow! So I wrote like I did. This, it's a whole week spent doing this five issue outline, building the whole thing around, you know, will our boys be drafted? Will right. our boys be drafted? The entire motor of the story was that. And then I steered into that wall at the last possible second. Awesome. Thank God I found that out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. So oh, I've, I've, I've had the, you know, I mean, a lot of kids lied about their age and joined yeah, a lot sure. of kids, you know, and, and signed or they had their parents sign and stuff. So I can still have kids, you know, going overseas and some of our, some of our stuff will be happening either stateside or overseas after the after uh you know pearl harbor so but that yeah just hey kids do all your fact checking before you actually write anything (laughs) history is important to get it right history turns out is important yeah no i get it you know and honestly again baseball and hollywood it was so interesting when the war hit and of course in the case of Hollywood, they were older uh, actors and stuff, and they stepped up and would volunteer. Um, the whole controversy of John Wayne's uh, not not serving is an interesting thing to kind of delve right. into. Whereas, whereas conversely, if you remember Alex Raymond, you know, the artist I didn't remember. Gordon, tell me, tell me. Alex Alex Raymond, you know, decide, he was already he'd already been mustered out. He was still he was a family man at that point, an older man, 
and he decided I can't let this stand. He goes back in the service. Wow. I yeah. didn't know that. Eisner, of course, goes off to yeah. war. I mean, Kirby goes off to war. Yeah, we should yeah. keep it in the comic uh, world. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any who who are the other. Uh, I mean, you're not you're the historian. You know better than me. they got a ton of them. I mean, there was you know Siegel, obviously. I mean, oh, there wow. were yeah, just that's a right. That's, ton of them going overseas. That's Stan, kind, you know, Siegel and Siegel going over. That's kind of when they kind of lost control of the Superman stuff, right? And and National that's kind of took much, over. Yeah, that's yeah, that's about the that's about the time when DC was able to like firm up their hold on it, and because you know Siegel didn't have as much time to argue every day. Sure. Interesting stuff, man. No, I I love that period. I, I I from a you know an observational standpoint and everything. It's really really interesting. All the various ways that it impacted the culture, both because of the the moral imperative of of joining the righteous cause, but also yeah, just the the individual stories. And obviously Kirby. God, I loved when they reprinted the losers. Uh, yeah, and that stuff that he did. You know, his seventies war stuff never really gets its due. I think. And uh, those are such interesting stories. And that whole him and Kaniger and Kubert and Russ Heath, and I know you, you know, obviously you're, uh, you know all this stuff really well as, as well. Oh, I love that stuff. And it just their, yeah. the way that they interpreted the war is just amazing. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. That's right. Yeah, but you're right. Yes. Well, anyway, let's move on to uh, some of the other things you're doing now. Sure. Doctor Strange, I'm so glad you got back to it, man. I love that miniseries that you did. And, Thank you, and I and I know that you even said as it as it wrapped up that eventually you'd get back to Doctor Strange, and here you are. I, you know, it's funny we're at the point now. Tom Brevoort and I sit about sit and talk about this every couple of years, where we look at okay, when I'm cycling out of one project and we're moving on to something else, where do I go now? I mean, I've I've hit everything at some point or another, and that's it's it's harder and harder to find the characters that I haven't had some sort of a run on or even a substantial run, even an insubstantial run. Doctor Strange was a rare case of, yes, I'd done a mini series with a character before, but it was during a period where he didn't have his powers. Right. And he was teaching somebody else. Yeah. And so, the, you know, it wasn't quite the same as I would take it, you know, if I were approaching it today. And so I was able to, to get a different handle on it, get a different feel for it. And I can't, took me again, I if freely admit it, it took me too long to figure out what this character was about to me before I started. It took me way too long, but once I nailed it, you know, I kept reminding myself, he's Dr. Strange. He's Dr. Strange. He thinks like a surgeon. He thinks like a doctor. And in a magical world, he obeys to some degree the Hippocratic Oath of not necessarily doing no harm, but the part about you know, I will not. You know, I will not act out of anger. I will not. I will not act out of vengeance. I will not. You know, I will not act out of violence uh, when I can. Um, and and I will heal. And so that that makes a lot more sense to me for Doctor Strange. Excellent. He's got a new cosmic sidekick. Well, and even he says, does he say it or does she say it that I've been treating you like a sidekick, Kana? Is her name? Yeah, Kana? she says. Yeah, Kana says. She kind of says. Yeah, I've been treating you like a sidekick, and you know what? And then he, <laughs> you know, blows the doors off the joint in the, the end issue too, and so you know, shows what he can do. And she's like, "Well, perhaps I underestimated you." Yes, <laughs> I, I did want to have him have somebody to talk to in space. I did want to play around with somebody who was a potential love interest, but not necessarily a love interest. I, I, I really like writing the will they, won't they, angle in in characters and. Uh, and I like the idea that she's a technomancer. She's a 
when I say arcanologist, uh, she is a, a woman who would rather deal in, you know, what is the modern day chemical equivalent of Eye of Newt and Toad of Frog, you know? <laughs> I'm reaching for the uh, second issue because you've got the teaser. And, uh, you know, it obviously looks like Stephen at the end of the issue is back on Earth. And we've got uh, the teaser for issue three, which, oh, I see that it is. It's coming out on the fourth. So um, this yeah. this episode sadly won't come out until after the fourth. So I don't know what you want to talk about in terms of Stephen versus uh, the Super Scroll. Right. Actually, he's not back on Earth yet. He's still in space for a while. Okay. There's, just, there's, a te- there's a teaser at the end that deals with a guy who at first looks like he's some sort of a bookkeeper or accountant or something. He's looking at Stephen's accounts and disappointed that there's in such disarray. And then you mm. pull back and you realize, no, he's he's like some sort of magical assessor, some sort of magical accountant, some guy keeping, you know, we always say magic as a price. Well, here's the guy who keeps track. Interesting. Okay. Excellent. And we'll be dealing, and so we'll be dealing with him once we're back from space. Okay. And so Kana and he obviously are going to face the super scroll together. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. I yeah, I and not willfully. I mean, Strange takes one look at that Super Scroll and it's like I I'm, I'm out of here. This is this is not my jam and I'm not really <laughs> that powerful. But then he sees he's got a time stone. You know, like, well damn it. You know, can't <laughs> let the can't let the Super Scroll have this thing. What do we do? What? So it's it's not an easy choice to make, but it gives us a chance. I don't want to get into it with that too much, but it really gave us a chance to sort of explore what the time stone can do these days. They've sort of Marvel sat down and with the writers and figured out what are the, what are the limitations of the infinity stones? What are the powers of them? What are the, I mean, they're infinity stones. You really don't want to have them terribly limited, right? but uh, with the time stone, you can, you can jump back or forth in time about 30 seconds to a minute. That's about as far as you can go, but that's pretty far if you're trying to wage war. If you're trying to create an army, you can do it with one person if you can keep cycling back every 30 seconds. Absolutely. Well, and I'm also looking at your uh, forward that's on the front page and everything. And and maybe this has always been Doctor Strange's ethos, but I don't remember it ever being really laid out like this. He's the Sorcerer Supreme, Earth's first defense against all manner of magical threats and and I guess that's the case, but I don't I don't know if has that always been the case or is that always been in the the, the top of Stanley Presents uh, prior to getting Not into in, the front page? I don't think it's ever been put quite that way. I think that sometimes we have a hard time deciding whether he's the Sorcerer Supreme of the of Earth or the universe or mm-hmm. the cosmos or the Milky Way galaxy yeah, or yeah. whatever. And I'm fine with him, you know. Being ramped up and having as many here's here's the thing. Yeah, like look, we we always say magic has a price, and we're always looking for a way to limit Doctor Strange's sure. powers and so forth and so on. But I, I got to tell you that it doesn't always fly with me because I, I what makes him limited is not interesting to me. It's what he does with his powers that makes him interesting to me. That sure. that, that I understand putting some limitations on him, but I don't think comics are about characters who have to follow rules. I don't think that they're about flying, right? They're about doing impossible things. And I don't, I think the more rules and regulations we put on our characters, that's just my own personal opinion, but it just, it doesn't wash for me. And it's more fun to, I'm okay with the Doctor Strange. You can do kind of whatever I need him to in a story. Sure. I just need him. I just need him to have a good reason for doing it. And I need there to be consequences for what he does, but you know, I don't need to catalog his powers and spells down to the you know the last you know the last detail um 
I, I don't know. I'm kind of now I'm rambling, but you get no, what no. I'm saying. It's all good. And and well, you know, and I wondered which which past writers have really like kicked, uh, kicked your uh, Obviously, Dude, okay, yeah, obviously, Engelhart. sure, that's, yeah. Boom. I mean, that's the one. I mean, that's the one. I, it's <sighs> this is. And you know, Jason Aaron done some amazing stuff. Jason I mean, had a, a lot great of, run. Donny Cates had a great run. Absolutely, Donny had a great run. A lot of, I mean, a lot of people have had really good runs on Doctor Strange. But those, Starlin. if you're asking uh, Starlin, yeah. But I mean, if you tell me, but but the one that really set the template for me was Engelhart, because Engelhart's the guy who made him the Sorcerer Supreme. Engelhart's the guy who yeah. took him from the Stanley Steve Ditko era. Yeah. Doctor Strange yeah. and transformed him into something, you know, the rising and advancing of the spirit and gave him a whole new purpose and a whole new reason for existing. And I wanted to emulate that with the space arc. And so we are doing much the same thing. We're giving Doc something in issues four and five, uh, sort of an upgrade that nobody's ever given him before. Ooh. And it's going to give us a whole new re- avenue to tell stories with. That's excellent, man. No, I'm, I, like I said, I really loved your miniseries, and like you said, he was he was limited then, and it wasn't yeah. a different role. Um, are, you know, and here's forgive me of my current Marvel history. Is Wong dead? I remember Brian Vaughn's excellent story uh, from about ten or twelve years ago. The Cure. He, no, he's still he's still kicking around. Okay. He's still around. So, um, and certainly with I, the movie, I don't know if you know that stuff gets retconned into. Well, no, of course we see Wong in the movies. We're going to have Wong in the comic. You know what? That you'd be surprised. It doesn't happen as often as you think. Okay. It real, and which actually segues nicely to Ant Man and the Wasp. That was it? going to be the <laughs> transitions. You see, we should be doing a morning show. Top of the exactly. hour. We just <laughs> talked about the socks. Let's move things over now to Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, I got to tell you, it's 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 it doesn't really happen that way. If it when it does happen, it's less. Oh man, they're making me put this character back in the book, and it's more. Wow! Now that I've seen how it works in the movie, I have a whole new understanding and respect for that character. Let's see what we can do. That is more often than not how it works. Sure. So, no, that's uh, hey, man, with, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, and especially no. if it's in the for the right reasons for the story. Why not? Why not? Look, as I've said, as I've said a million times before, you know, if you didn't want stuff coming in from outside media, then you wouldn't have Kryptonite, you wouldn't have Perry White, and you wouldn't have Harley Quinn. That a boy. Exactly. So you, get it. you know, you gotta you know you gotta pick your battles, man. If you're going to be, uh, you know, keep the comics pure, I understand that. But every once in a while, other people outside of comic book writers are allowed to have good ideas about these characters <laughs> and get to listen. So with with Wasp, I mean, what happened was uh, Tom Brevoort came to me a few years ago when I'm on Adventures and said, you know, and this is concurrent with the first Ant Man movies, and we want to do something with the Wasp. We want to create. If we can, what if if it's possible, is there a seamless way to create a daughter of Hank Pym wasp that in that way sort of mirrors what's happening in the movies without breaking anything? And if I'd, I'd, I honestly believe if I said to Tom, no, that's just stupid, then I don't think we would have done it. Okay. I don't think not because I have any power, but just because I, I, I think that it, it's the like they're very good about not forcing us to do things that's what i'm trying to say is it is not you know okay so if i'd said i feel like you're forcing my hand i think they would think tom and i would have just said all right let's concentrate on something else but i like the idea and when i started thinking about it as a big fan of hank pym and a big wonk about his history going back and looking i really was a perfect pocket of time which is to say that you know we in hank's history 
you know, his first wife was kidnapped by foreign agents. They weren't very specific back then in 62. <laughs> and, you know, she died in their custody. And so it was pretty easy to realize, okay, well, there's no reason she couldn't have been pregnant sure, at the time without sure. knowing it. And so, and there's no, there was never said how long it's been that she was, uh, she was held captive. So yeah, that's what happens. The baby's born under, uh, you know, under foreign agents and given over to the Soviets and trained by the Red Room, the folks who brought you Black Widow and to some degree Bucky Barnes and, uh, you know, and, and growing up like that, but idolizing her father or knowing who her father is and wanting desperately to, to meet him, to be with him. And, and it breeds, you know, genius breeds true in the Marvel Universe. You know, he, she's just as sharp as he was, if not sharper. And so when she finally managed to make her break from Russia and come over to America, she can't wait to meet her dad finally. And that's like literally like two weeks before he or two weeks after he goes into space as part of Ultron and he's never to be seen again. Oh, so, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I, so all of this, all of this seemed like that was going to work. And it seemed like, all right, you know what? That passes the smell test. I mean, I think that that washes without it looking too forced. Mm hmm in terms of movie continuity. And then when I started coming up with a name for the character, I was casting around for names and I, Nadia came to mind. This is a Russian name. And I looked it up and you know what Nadia is Russian for? No. Hope. Oh, awesome. So perfect. <laughs> her name is hope. It's just not in our language. It's but her name is hope. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that, that sort of, that seemed like an omen to me. Like, okay, well it's meant to be. That's excellent. And you know, I was all right. So, um, I, right now we're in the microverse, and I don't know how that. Correct, right? It's isn't it kind yeah. of a, yeah. It's a, definitely a shrinking story and everything. Um, we haven't seen Hank yet. Will we see? Is it possible that finally we'll? Um, I can say yes and no is what I can say. Interesting. Okay, maybe some time travel involved. Yeah, so you'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll see where we go. But um, but it's fun. It's a romp. I mean, I, I'm not like I'm not making you believe this is the, you know, uh, this is the grimmest, grittiest, most important comic book Marvel's publishing this month. It's not the most, you know what? It's not the most important comic book. Nor, nor should it month. be. Go on. Yeah. yeah Right. Yeah. But it's just, it's fun. It's just, it's, you know, let me, let me, you know, crack out my physics textbooks and let me, you know, rewatch a couple of Dr. Who's and let me, you know, <laughs> enjoy doing fun stuff and straight up science fiction and, and doing it with an eye towards, if I wanted to get my hand on, microscopic characters for a long time because I, you know, as a physics wonk, I like studying the, you know, quantum physics. I like, and that may, I don't mean that to sound like a humble brag, like, oh, what a genius I am. No, I, I know as much as anybody can know from reading the web. I mean, it's not like I'm a super genius about it, but, but I do pay attention and I do read up and I find quantum physics and quantum mechanics like really fascinating. And there's some great mechanics there for stories, great visuals, great things you can do on a quantum realm, it's not, you know, the model of the universe that you and I knew growing up, you know, the billiard ball sort of, you know, sort of atoms, you know, mm -hmm. looking like billiard balls surrounded by other billiard balls. That's not really what an atom looks like. <laughs> and we should maybe stop drawing it like that in comics. That was kind of, that was kind of my, uh, that was kind of my philosophy going in. No more, no more billiard balls surrounded by other billiard balls is not what atoms look like That's and awesome. then going from there <laughs> and so and so javier grown who is doing the art is this i didn't have any experience with him we never worked together but he's grokked onto this like you wouldn't believe i mean he really is excited about coming up with new visuals and new weird looks to what 
that microverse should look like. And he's, it's fun to redefine it with him because he's, he's, bringing, he's bringing the heat. That's excellent, man. And, you know, I wanted to ask about that. Uh, from a clinical standpoint, are they – to make the book – economically feasible and i and honestly this this isn't in, in any no, way a knock on these artists because i do think both in the case of dr strange and Ant-Man and the wasp you got great partners here but are these newcomers and and is it kind of a all right we've got a we've got an experienced writer and we've got newcomer artists i, I maybe to some degree i think there's something to that i think that i i tend to i've been told and i looking back on my history i believe it that I'm a pretty good guy to give to an, a, a less experienced writer or let, rather a less, a less experienced artist mm-hmm. because I've written so much and because I've written for so many different artists. I'm sort of – if I, if you're going to ask me to write an artist-proof script, I can do it. Um, and I'm a, it's a collaborative medium too. Sure. I, mean, I love working with these guys a lot more than you know some writers to their you – know, your method is your method. Some guys just sit in, a, in their garret and write all by themselves and other guys are a lot more social and – some of us are more collaborative and some of us are more possessive, but whatever makes the best story, I'm not judging, but I tend to be a very collaborative writer. And so it's fun dealing with younger guys and newcomers. Or, and, you know, he doesn't sound like he's not like he's been around for an hour and a half. I mean, he's been he's doing some stuff, I'm but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still, but still, yeah. Well, but no, it's so it's fun. Well, and also it's just a, go ahead, please. No, that's all I was going to say. It's just fun. Well, and, and I would say you and a guy like Jimmy Palmiotti, too, both being former editors. You know, there's there's yeah, also we, that exactly. as well. So uh, exactly. no, I get it, man. Yeah. yeah, we know the ropes. I mean, I, that's, you know, I, you can trust me with a young artist to, you know, not confuse him and not throw him, you know, and, and sort of not hold his hand. That's the wrong way of approaching it, but not make him feel like he's in over his head. Absolutely. No, I get it, man. And uh, that's cool. But yeah, it just kind of occurred to me. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And, and again, you get your experience vets that you work with as well. So yeah. would you say um, that it is more interesting for you now, especially – well, and even in the case of the champions, I guess, you know, that you were doing um, kind of, you know, fresh B, B-level uh, – well, you know what I mean when I say B-level characters. I know what you mean exactly. You know what I'm Yeah, there's the look. I, you know, I – we this circles back around to the conversation of, okay, yeah, there's plenty of A characters at Marvel, but I've done most of them as well. Sure. So it's, it's not – I don't feel like I'm – I don't feel like I'm slumming if that's and not, yeah, not that's what you were saying, no. but I don't I don't feel like I'm slumming because I think these are I mean, first off, they're all great characters. And I remind everyone that we've lived in a world where Green Arrow has been DC's <laughs> best selling comic book not once but twice. <laughs> yeah. So you can make anything out of anything. Um, oh, God, uh, Rosenberg right now with uh, with Jimmy uh, Madrox and everything. I am not an X-Men yeah. reader, but, you know, that first issue of Multiple Man, it's like, oh, that's just like when Fraction and uh, David Aja were doing Iron Fist. And it's like, no, that's great. And I think that is the exciting moment. Or, God, you know, King uh, and Mitch Garrett's right now with uh, Mr. Miracle and everything. It's like, exactly. that's that's the excitement for especially, you know, older readers and stuff of, Thank God! Look at this, man. God, I haven't read him for a decade or more, and now we there's got a brand exactly. new story. That's excellent. Yeah, there's a there's really a point at which is you know as you mature as a writer, there's a and you do so much. There's a point at which you're kind of hungry for the B list characters or the you know the second tier guys because there's less that's been done with them and there's more opportunity to do stuff. And they're not appearing in six different books that month. And you know you're you're not. You know, if you're if you're writing Spider Man, you're that's great and that's awesome. But Spider Man's also being written by like 42 other guys that month. Agreed. Yeah. 
you know, it's but if you're doing Hawkeye and you're Matt Fraction, then it's <laughs> then it's your ball game. You know, it's it's you. Yeah. And you know, and that's so it's it's a lot more fun to do that actually. And there's a couple hundred characters that would love and deserve that kind of attention. And yep. and yeah, and if anything, it just makes them more exciting and. Uh, again, I think you know, attractive to new readers, and you're, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Scott Lang in your hands, and I think, uh, you know, again, Nadia is a great addition as well. Now, is she different? Because I didn't read Jeremy Whitlock's Wasp miniseries, so is she a different Wasp than than the one that Jeremy was doing? Uh, no, different one. Not same, they're the same one, rather. So, oh, it is the same one. Okay, off, okay, yeah, cool. Hand it off from you. Hand it off from me to Jeremy, and then, and then I think there's, yeah, there's talk of another. There's talk of another Wash series coming out, I think. So, um, with Nadia or a different character? With Nadia. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. No, and and you know that's the thing. I, I uh, yeah, I wasn't sure of the timeline. So yeah, that's okay because people were pointing to uh, Jeremy's miniseries right. as well and saying, "Oh, this is a really good run. You should read that." And I'm, of course, I've got the trade and it's sitting on my uh, shelf to read, of course, in a big yeah. pile, as you know how it goes. Yes, yes, I know that pile. <laughs> well, let's, uh, if I may, I'm really interested. Sure. And uh, unfortunately, the culture wars that have heated up in recent months. Sure. And uh, I know you're right there on the front line, and I'm glad because, um, I mean, I, well, certainly we share. I think we share the same views. It's such a fucked up like situation right now, Mark. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand the hate that comes from, uh, you know, the people that label oh, who all. And this is my point of view, and then I want your yeah. point of view. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just. I, I, there's room for every kind of comic book, and I'm really I, I welcome the inclusion of creators and characters that do represent other voices and other creeds and and colors and orientations. Why not? That's great. Come on in. The water's fine. Uh, but that, there's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go. No, I was going to say, but that we went from a point. I don't know when it happened. I want to say it happened in the last ten years or so, somewhere. And it was a subtle change, but somewhere along the way, we went from comics are for everybody to comics are for me and just me and so that that anger that every time we publish a book like america or yes. whatever that isn't made for you you know white guy right in your 30s then <laughs> somehow it's an affront to you and i'm just thinking and all i can think is i'm looking at this stuff and i'm thinking when i was growing up i didn't buy conan I didn't like Conan. There you go. Sure. Didn't, but I wasn't. <laughs> but I wasn't angry that we published Conan. You know, I, wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't angry that we published Sergeant Rock. I just didn't buy it. That's all. And so there's plenty of room for for you know. There's a million. If you like in, in, any of the main Marvel characters, they're in 800 books a month anyway. So they, you can find them. It's the it's this anger that that comes from fear. I mean, it comes from. I think the. The core of it, obviously, is you are – if you're in your 30s, you're a white male. You're feeling attacked because other voices are getting louder, justifiably so. You know, you're right. becoming democra- – demo- uh, demographically, you're becoming a smaller piece of the pie, and that's just the way it goes. And and you feel threatened. You feel angry, and you feel like everything's everybody's out to get what is yours. And this is, I'm talking about a very, very, very tiny sliver of our – readership but they're out there and they just get they get angry and so they they lash out and so they're looking for ways to take down you know the 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 women in comics the you know the people lgbtq people in comics they're looking for ways to to discredit and and mock and and hate and it's just it's really sad and pathetic and it's it would 
be something that you could completely ignore except for the fact that they are they target people like target younger creators target women of you know women in comics yes. uh, younger creators of color and they do it in such a mean and hateful and awful way that it's you know it's way beyond the bounds of good taste Agreed. The only thing, and again, I'm not taking their side at all, but as a casual middle-aged white guy reader, um, there were a lot of books that these younger legacy characters had taken over the book. And, you know, if you come to Iron Man, look, Riri Williams is a great character. and and, But Tony kind of took a back seat for a while. Um, but here's the, right, and, and, I, and I, you know like, that, and it seemed like, and, and please, because I, I do want to know your point of view. But it, no, it, and I, 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 you're right, and, and Jane Foster's Thor, and, well, and that's Sam a, Wilson's Captain, right? And all I, at the and same, totally, all at the same time, and that's the only right. thing I want to say. And, where you know, it's like it was literally kind of at the same time, and it's like, well, I, you know, I'm like, I don't. Again, I like these new characters, and I like right. the voices. I would say Jason handled it very well because we yeah. still had. The Odin son story going on while Jane Foster's yeah. story was going on. So you know yeah, she didn't I, take a he didn't take a backseat to Jane. They were look, I'll, sharing the story. Yeah. No, I agree. No, I'll say, let me say this. Here's yeah, yeah. I, you look, I in, <laughs> in principle I agree with what you're saying. I really do, and I understand how frustrating it would be to love these characters and go to them and pick up a bunch of comics and they're not the characters that I recognize. I understand that's that would be disappointing and frustrating. Um, but a couple of things. I mean, one is that it's not. It it happened. Yes, it, it at its peak, it was all happening at once. Yep. But it didn't all start at once. So it's not like Marvel just one day threw the switch. Agreed. And and said with planning a forethought, you know, we're just going to replace all the white guys in comics. It's not the way it happened. <laughs> um, it ended up that way. But I think the fact that it ended up that way was as much a surprise to Marvel as it and and those of us working at Marvel as it was to our fans. It was one of those. It just kind of crept up on us. It wasn't yeah. a because it wasn't because it wasn't an agenda. Because it specifically was not an agenda. We kind of all woke up one day and went, "Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, yeah, they, they are all gone." And if you know, and the, and the thing that most baffles me. And, and is that at that moment, at that point, Marvel, you know, actual Alonzo is still in charge. And Marvel's like, you know what? You know, maybe there's a lot to be said. You know, maybe there's something to be said for the fact. Maybe we did go a little too far. Let's do some course correction. And that should have been the end of it. That, to me, that should have absolutely been the end of the complaints. What do we, you know, we, we heard you. Here's Steve Rogers as Captain America again. You know, we heard you. Here's Tony Stark. We heard you. Why isn't that – why doesn't that settle right. people down? But it doesn't It because they've gotten a taste of what it's like to be angry and vol- volatile and uh, and they got people paying attention to them because they're angry and yelling and so they don't want to suddenly not be paid attention to anymore. Well, and, I, and again, unfortunately, because of the size of the company and the monthly nature of the books, it couldn't stop on a dime because, yes, we are back to that. Um, right. But, you know, like Iron Man, that just happened three months ago or two months ago or whatever. Right. So, you know, right. yeah. Steve, so, Steve so, was like nine months ago. Yeah, exactly. Steve Rogers was like six, oh, yeah, seven absolutely. months ago. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So. And, you can, and you can't because, you know, what kind of message does that send to at the same time? If Marvel suddenly just one day flipped on one Wednesday, suddenly the comics are just white guys again. That <laughs> also sends a really bad message. So, you know, I 
I understand legacy characters and the appeal of legacy characters more than most anybody as the guy who wrote Wally West for 10 years. Damn straight. Um, I totally get it. Uh, and I also get in this market that it is really damn hard to launch a brand new superhero that doesn't have some sort of legacy tie to something. It's just hard. Sure. It doesn't mean it's impossible. But those are the market realities. I'll tell you that as a, re- as a writer. And I'll tell you that as a former retailer. That's, those are the absolute realities of the marketplace. And so I get that it's easier to make something new of Riri Williams if she's in an Iron Man suit than if she's just in her own brand new book. Right. Uh, then it's it's a much harder struggle to get you know people paying attention to that character and, and to say something with that character. So I get – I think that you know it's a shortcut. I think Marvel probably inadvertently abused it. You know, one too many times, two too many times. And they looked at it and they said, you know what? We probably did go a little too far. Let's backtrack a little bit. Problem solved. Problem solved. And yet, and yet the lunatics are still angry. Well, yeah. And I, and I mean, they've really created their own um, industry, obviously, to the point, too, of this one particular book that I guess uh, certainly had a very successful. Uh, Indiegogo campaign, uh, uh, Jawbreakers. Yeah, Jawbreakers. And this is this is the diversity yeah. in comics guy. And I know you've had yeah, your run-ins with this guy. And I and I got to be. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of this guy. And I and I've listened to his videos because that's really what they are. Is really more just kind of audio platitudes without any real video happening, other than some pictures of people and stuff. But right. I I and I know you've like offered to. Have you spoken to him directly? I for, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I had a conversation. I had a conversation with him a few months ago. It was the most valueless conversation I've ever had in my life. I was genuinely curious. I was, gen- what is it that drives you? What is it? What are you so angry about? Is it about Captain Marvel being a woman? Well, yeah, it's about Captain Marvel being a woman. Well, that's is that really what you're angry about? Well, no, it's about this. Well, and I would say, well, okay, well, that's not really the case there either. Then he'd jump around. He would just, you know, I'd try to understand what his complaints were but i i still don't understand i i think it's i think the complaints are not the foundation of it i think the instant celebrity he's gotten out of the complaints are what drives him so you know i I don't know but it was a it was a completely pointless conversation okay uh in which in which the immortal line was spoken by him well just because i say it's a fact uh you know, it's just my opinion. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Just that's, you know, I think that's when I hung up on him, I believe, as I recall. That was the last thing he said before <laughs> I laughed and hung up. Well, it's, yeah. I tried. Look, I tried, you know, I tried, but you can't, some people you just can't read. They don't want to be reached. They don't want to be talked to. No, and again, this is where we are in the culture wars right now, where it really is yeah. just two sides not listening to the other side, period. And, and now, yeah, please, if you've got a comment on that, I'm, I'm happy to. Well, no, it's it's and it's 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 yeah. I mean that yeah. What's happening in comics is mirroring what happens in the in the nation, yeah. right? We just don't you know we have our opinions and we don't talk to each other. It's uh, it's I just don't know what kind of conversation you can have in in this case. This is we're talking about a movement that started when somebody mocked a memorial service for Flo Steinberg. Yes, and I, yeah, go on, please. Right, and that the whole thing started because some lunatic online made fun of a lot of these women who went out and she did a picture, shared a picture on Twitter of them, you know, toasting Flo Steinberg, who was Stan Lee's uh, aide-de-camp, Stan Lee's uh, girl Friday, Stan Lee's right-hand girl, 
uh, in the '60s, Absolutely. and one of the most, one of the most, if not the most beloved women to ever be in comics. Agreed. In terms of the, the you know, so in terms of all of Drello flow. So you know, these guys, you know, these these women go out and they raise a toast and get shit this on. This guy lose, loses loses man, and it's, and it just becomes this whole horrible. And I can't. I don't want to use the language. I don't want to use the language that's being that was used about them Agreed. and how awful. Um, just indefensible. Well, you know, absolutely indefensible. And then it and it and and after that, you know, then threats, then comments that were private comments that were really stomach turning. I mean, yeah. just all kind of deep deep harassment. And the the problem that you have with trying to make that point to people is that one of the things that happened was I was approached around this time. I was approached by a bunch of different younger people in comics. Many of them didn't even know each other, but they all knew that I don't like bullies and that I'm pretty loud. And they're like, what do we do? You know? And, and, and I don't think they realized how many of them were getting it from the same people. Uh, and they would send me these, private messages they send me these you know these direct messages they send me these things that were just really would just awful i mean really calling you for you know calling the worst names in the world you know telling you you should die um to these women in comics or or, you know our younger creators in lgbtq creators in comics um horrible stuff yeah well you know then, then the question becomes well can we you know we need to make this this public and then a lot of these people justifiably said i don't want i don't want to do that i don't want to i if you if i go out and circulate these threats these people have made against me it just makes it worse and it does make it worse Agreed. It, and so you know or, or just i you know with a lot of these women it was i just want to do my job you know and i can't if 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 these threats get you know if i if, if we Start about you know if we start publishing these threats, we start going public with all this stuff, then it just makes it just makes things worse for me. It just drags you know me down, and and, and I just you know there's a point at which I just want to go to bed at night. They were saying <laughs> yeah. that. some of them were saying this. Yeah. I, I totally get that. I totally I respect. That. I wish that they didn't feel that way, but I would have to respect that 100. percent So you know it becomes it becomes well you know our you know these people are. Said some. There's been some people online who've been said some terrible, horrible, awful things about people in comics. Not about the work, but about the people themselves, and made these horrible threats. And I mean, I've gotten death threats. I got three death threats myself just in that sort of pocket of time. Jesus. Uh, one of them. One of them to my house, by the way. One of them to my house. That was delightful. So. So in what in what like to your door or? Oh yeah, to William my mail. Yeah, somebody knew my somebody found oh. my address and there it is, my mailbox. Lovely. Hello, he- hello, feds. But yes, damn straight. Good for you, man. Yeah. Good lord. But and what I get, like, I don't want to sound like I'm the, you know, like the standard bearer here. I mean, what I get in terms of abuse online is one tenth of what women in comics get, one tenth of what LGBTQ care creators in comics get. Um, but so we have that. So you know, we we get all these stuff. So we 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 ha- all we can say to fans who are confused as to why these people are coming after us is. You know, we're getting these threats, and then their response is always, "Well, yeah, well, then show it, prove it. You're lying." Well, I'm kind of in a you know between a rock and a hard place because I'm not lying, and I've never lied to you, and I've been that. in this business for 33 years, and I challenge you to find a time when I've ever lied to any of you. But 
I can't put other people online like this. I have to respect their opinions and their wishes. So it's ugly. I mean, it yeah. just there's it, and it it just seems to have shown shown some sign of slowing down. But it's just sad. It's just it's internet trolls, and it's so easy. It is so easy for older white guys, whether you're in comics or out of comics, to just go, eh, don't listen to them. It's really easy to say that, but you're not the one who's getting it 99% of the time. So maybe have a little understanding. Maybe that is the answer. Maybe the answer is, eh, ignore them. Maybe that is the answer, but don't make it a knee-jerk response. Have some compassion. Look at the way it's affecting some of these people who just want to go out there and do their jobs. And, part, and, and unfortunately, especially for younger creators, being on social media is uh, a, ne- a necessary evil. Yes. I mean, you have to be if you're, because you've you got to promote your stuff. You've got to get your name out there. You've got you know, you to do what you can to promote your own wares. And uh, that means being on social media. And that makes you a target. And it sucks. I mean – the the flip side of that argument is, and there's some truth to this as well. The flip side of that argument is you're public figures. And as public figures, you are going to sacrifice some degree of decency and of privacy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that is true. Um, that does not make what these people do right. It does not make what these people do excusable. Um, but, it's, you know, it, that's part of what happens when you're a comics professional is you're a public figure. And you're, and and so, you're approachable in a way that other public figures aren't. We are approachable in a way that no other figures in all of entertainment are approachable. Agreed. You think, I mean, you know, I don't think. We're talking, you know, Mark. Think, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. You know, this is the thing. I mean, comics creators are the easiest people in the world to find. Yeah. You know, you know, you're going to I don't you're going to tweet your favorite baseball player. You know, I don't think he's going to see what you're going to see. But if you're going to tweet Nick Spencer, he's probably going to see it and read it. You know, it's just that's we're super accessible. This is the, you know, the downside to being so super accessible. This is is that you get to hate us so much in part, you know, face to face. It's so weird. Yeah. And, you know, I really there are creators that I've always respected and had a difference of opinion politically but always felt well, we could put that aside and have a conversation. And I'm sure that's the case for 99% of them still. And it's not so much them, but it is some of their followers on the right that kind of embrace this alt-right extreme voice and yeah. platform that keep me from getting these people back where I would like to have a conversation. And I'm hoping I'll run into somebody at a convention, although I don't know where their welcomingness is in some cases. But, I mean, honestly, reasonable people, but they have unreasonable followers. And I've even engaged, as I'm sure you have, in social media where I've disagreed with what they said. And it's not so much my conversation with them. It's literally the 50 other people that take that opportunity to chime in that are like, well, yeah, yeah, how you doing? And it's like, they're like roaches. Sorry for the comparison if you lean that way, but it really is like all of a sudden there are 25 to 50 more people that engage. And it's like, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to this person that I've known for over 10 years and we've been able to have reasonable conversations. And I will say this, I will say that, you know, you cannot be held responsible for what your followers and your fans say. Agreed. At the same time, if I knew at any given time that I had a fan or a follower out there who was 
spewing hate, yes. who is spewing, you know, bigotry, who is being ugly to people, I would shut that thing down in a cocaine heartbeat. I agree. Yeah. And I feel that's my, I, you know, you can agree or disagree, but I feel to some degree that's my moral responsibility. Agreed. It's my ethical responsibility <laughs> as a public figure. So it's, I will shut you down in a, yeah. in a cocaine heartbeat if, if you are going to be ugly to people and point at me as somehow I, the guy who pointed you in that direction. Um, so the failure to do that on the part of other people, uh, is repellent and it's repugnant. And if you really genuinely are the good guy you think you say you are, then maybe show it by stopping with the dog whistling and instead legitimately shutting down people who are, you know, taking your name in vain, if you will. Can I ask, uh, as we wrap up, uh, about Antarctic Press specifically with jawbreakers, because sure, because right, yeah, like what what happened from in that uh, instance? Again, we started with that. The diversity in comics guy does the Indiegogo campaign. He gets some other conservative artists uh, to you know, that are reasonable names in comics and stuff to help him out with his thing. They set up a deal with uh, to to publish their book through Antarctic Press, and right. then what happens? So what happens is, and again, let me. Stop right there and say that's great. Good for them. I don't care whether they get a comic book out or not. No one's trying. No one wants to stop people from publishing comics. By all means, do your do your little comic. I don't. If it's big, terrific. I hope you make a million dollars off this thing. I comics are great. Everybody should be doing comics. No one ever said anything different. What happened was when the announcement was made. And I'm West Coast, so by the time I got up in the morning, you know, <laughs> four hours later, the comics world, the comics world was already on fire <laughs> that day, with people livid that Antarctic Press would make a deal with these guys who were, you know, again at the nexus of this comicsgate nonsense, at the nexus of this, you know, hatred and anger and and anti, you know, this, this whole misogynistic, ugly, you know, targeted hatred and harassment. People are furious at Antarctic Press for making a deal for them and you know making a deal with them and let's burn the place down. And all I did was look at this and went, well, that doesn't sound like Ben. I mean, I know I know Ben and his brother. I've known them for I don't know them very well, but I know them to be ethical people. I respect Antarctic Press. This seems odd. Before we and I so I made the mistake of saying in public, before we burn the place down. Meaning Antarctic let Press, me just, go on. Yeah. yeah, before we burn Antarctic to the ground, let me just give them the benefit of the doubt for a moment and make a call and see if they understand why people are coming at them with torches and pitchforks, okay? So sure enough, I call him up. You know, I talked to Dunn. Um, ben Dunn, yeah. He's flabbergasted. That's his, that's his brother I was talking to, actually, and it was just... Uh, they didn't know. Or Ben. I, yeah, I don't know. I, it, I, frankly... It, 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 neither, neither here nor there. So, okay. um, neither here nor there. And you know, I got on the phone. By the time I got on the phone with him, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon, my time, West Coast. And he's like, "Yeah," <laughs> he's like, he's already heard it all day long. And our conversation was private. I don't want to, you know, just out of respect to him, I don't want to quote or even I would be careful about you know uh, paraphrasing. Okay. But, but the you know the gist of it was. I said, look, I don't think you understood what you got in with here, you know. And then again, I, you publish whatever you want, um, and I'm not going to stop you. I can't stop you, and 
I'm not going to burn the house down. If you do, it's whatever you, but I just want you to understand what you've done. Um, just because that's when people are angry at you and your creators are leaving your company in droves, which is already happening that morning. People, you know, creators for Antarctic were storming out the door going never again. Um, you know, let's have a conversation about this as somebody who's been at the point of, you know, the, in the forefront of dealing with these guys. So we had a conversation, a very good conversation. And I honestly said to him, and I'll, you know, you can believe me or not believe me, but you, John, know that I will not lie to you. I do. Conversation was, you know what? I don't care what you do. Will you do whatever you want to do? And I'll back your play, whatever you decide to do, but know this, that this is why people are angry at you. And, I don't think I told him anything he didn't already know. So Antarctic announces an hour later, hey, we're out of the business with this guy. You know, we're, we're not going to publish this book. And for about three seconds, everybody on the, the comics gate guys, all the, you know, the, the angry, you know, racist, misogynist, bigoted guys were freaking out. Sure. At Antarctic. Sure. For about three seconds. And then somebody remembered, oh, wait, Mark Wade made that call, didn't he? So suddenly, <laughs> now the whole world's angry at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I am flattered that you think I personally have the power to make a publisher publish or not publish what they want to publish. If they, if I known I had that power. Where you been, I man? Would have been, <laughs> I know. I would have been exercising that power a lot more heavily in the last You're the sorcerer supreme. My God, absolutely. Exactly. Um <laughs> So that's flattering that you think I'm that powerful, but that's adorable you think I'm that powerful. But, you know, more to the point, look, you know, fine. Let the baby have his bottle. Be angry. I don't care. Um, I had – what did happen is I had to shut down social media and it left my Facebook. Left, You know, I'd already left Twitter some time ago. These guys had driven me off Twitter. Yeah. But Facebook, I had to leave as well because it just became a landing page for the next 48 hours for the most vile, ugly, yeah. hateful – rhetoric and guys who didn't really understand what was going on. They were just being told that I had shut down this comic that they wanted to read. And therefore, you know, and by the way, you know, let's step back when you get in the crime of it all. When I said, just be aware of what they've done. It wasn't just, you know, the, the, the dark, ugly mindset of, you know, white guys forever. It was also, the retailers. The thing had happened where there's a private retailer group on Facebook. A couple of days this is where this kind of this thing all blew up at the same time. A private group on Facebook uh, of retailers mm-hmm. who had decided, you know, hey, hey you're going to carry this book when it comes out from you know Indiegogo. They're, you're going to try to carry it in your stores, and people were going, no, nah, I don't think so. And several retailers said, no, nah, I'm not going to carry that book because I just don't like this guy's politics. I don't like the way he treats women. I don't like the way he treats women in comics. Uh, I don't like the way that he and his followers uh, comport themselves when it comes to, you know, how aggressively, you know, ugly they are to, to people in comics. I'm not going to carry it. So, uh, you know, this guy and his followers decide, let's make a list of all those stores who are not going to carry our comics and their phone numbers and the names of all their employees. Let's make that list and circulate that list. It's not harassment. We're not telling anybody to call and harass. We're just giving out people's names and numbers. And numbers. Ridiculous. Agreed. And you can even make the you can even make the case that yeah, you can get a store number out of a out of a phone oh, book. Sure. Yeah, you can. But I don't know that I don't know that Mary Smith works there. Right. But now I do. 
And so when I call, I can ask for Mary Smith and give her shit. Like, that's her job. This is ridiculous. Yeah, no shit. The, the complete for you, for anyone to say, we're going to, we're going to make a list of the names. We're going to make a list of the stores that aren't carrying the book. Okay, fine. That seems pretty counterproductive. It seems like you'd want to be making a list of the stories that are carrying the book. Right. If you're going to market your book, <laughs> but that's, that's, you know, that's your business decision. And we're going to give out the phone numbers. All right, fine. You know what? You're going to give the phone numbers of the stores so that you can, you know, have people call them and say, gee, I wish you were carrying this book. I think you're making a mistake by not carrying this book. All right, I'll give you that. But all the employees' names, that's harassment. That's bullshit. Oh, Lord, that's yes. where you know it's flat out full stop a harassment technique. There's no other reason to make sure that everybody knows every employee's first and last name who works in these stores. No other reason than that. It's it's like so, it's like picking on caddies for a country club's policies. If forgive, yes, and forgive the forgive the equivalent uh, comparison. Uh, those of you who work at comic stores, I don't mean it yes, in a condescending but, way at all. No, but that's a fair. Exactly. It's just a, you know if I you know I, if you know if I don't like the way my bank is treating me, I don't go scream at the teller. <laughs> yeah, man. Having both jobs. Yes. I, right. So it's just so that was the biggest. We I can't believe I buried the lead, man. When we first started talking. No, about I'm this. glad you brought that it up. Was, yeah, and you're right, and I remember that reading was, that. Go on. That was the biggest. That was the that was the the giant sin. That was the that was the place where like people were mad at at uh, Antarctic, not just for getting in bed with people who allegedly <coughs> do this or this or this in terms of harassment, but who definitively, you know, yeah, you know, it, it helped helped you know give light and shed light on that in that uh, campaign. So that was, you know, that's just, just non-starter. So anyway, so so for the next 48 hours, of course, my Facebook page is nothing but a, a hotbed of hatred sure. and loathing. Yeah. Uh, and from a, and the sad thing is a lot of it was from younger fans who I don't know any of this harassment stuff, don't know any of this. All they know is that, you know, they wanted to read this comic book because it looked kind of neat and Mark Wade made a publisher shut it down and I'm mad at Mark Wade. Uh, you know, if that's all the information I had, I might be angry too, but that's not all the information there is. But uh, anyway, I just had to shut the thing down because it, it, all the responses started bleeding onto every – it wasn't just responses to any posts I was making on Facebook. It was, it was, they were just littering them and spamming my Facebook page with, with nonsense. Here's, you know, here's, a, here's a post about my mom and then there would be all the – in this message, you know, in the comments section, all of a sudden there would be all this horrible, 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 nasty vitriol and shit about what a horrible person I am. Or here's, you know, here's a post about my dog. And then Mark Wade, you suck, you know, well, guess what? So I cut you, you know, so I had to, you know, I had to bail out of that. Yeah. I just, and you know what? And I, it's a shame because Facebook was a good way to me to keep touch with my family, my extended family. Um, and I don't really have that Avenue right now, but, uh, you know, it's just the, I guess it's what comes of doing comics. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's, that's the story. Well, I appreciate it's a long story and, but my, you know, the, Best, the very best thing about it, the, and I know at this point I'm poking the bear, and I know at this point, you know, CB Sabolsky's cringing to hear me talk about this. But the 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 number of uh, you know you know you, you, nah, nah, the number of legal I'll say is the number of legal experts 
that suddenly came out of the woodwork was delightful. Yeah, that was just adorable. Which is one of the reasons why this is confusing me. Yes, that that you are liable in some way. <laughs> which yeah, I'm 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 sorry. I'm not I'm not Clarence Darrow. I'm not a I'm not a great lawyer or anything. I'm not on the practice or any of these legal shows. But yeah, I, I'm like uh, what what? Yeah, I know. I know that was hysterical. This it's my that is my absolute my uh, you know angry of angry fans. My absolute favorite flavor is legal expert, and it's just I was apparently I was breaking all sort of interstate laws, and he you know he he swore to complain against me against the with the attorney general of the state, and yeah, I'm still waiting for that paper to show California up. California so. or Texas? Because Antarctic Prex Rice is Texas, I believe. Right. I don't honestly I don't remember. He ran it somewhere. Probably Texas. I don't know. Jesus I Christ. just think that's adorable. I, it's just and it's all noise. I mean, it's yeah. all just pomp and circumstance. It's all just. It's all just. Let's keep the controversy alive as long as we can because that keeps the spotlight on us and that gives us attention. Uh, that's what it's all about. That's no, you know. Yeah. I'll, believe me, I'll let you know when I'm served with papers <laughs> for this. <laughs> I'll let you know. Well, I'll be a character witness if you need me, buddy. It's yeah, all right. Man. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be holding my breath. I understand. So I, I hear you. And again, oh, it just. It really, you know, again, they're they're very loud, and you know that they are only uh, a small voice in in the wilderness. But they are but exactly. they're very loud. And, they're very loud. And it's and again, now we've done thirty minutes on them, and I've said mm-hmm. you don't want to give them oxygen, and then I went and did thirty well, minutes on them, and I I regret that. But here's the thing, and this is what I this is what I want the takeaway to be for people who are listening who aren't, you know, already trying to find me and send more death threats. Um, takeaway is this that. If you are a younger fan or a younger creator or a younger somebody in comics or you know or somebody who doesn't feel as protected, um, you're not alone. You know you're not alone. And there's a bunch of us out here. There's a bunch of comic book guys. If for for all of the loud mouths like myself who are not afraid of giving these guys oxygen and therefore stupidly giving them oxygen, there's more of us who are not giving them oxygen but are working very hard behind the scenes to make sure that this nonsense stops. And I think it's important for these people to know for every, every time I go on a rant like this, I regret it. And I feel bad about the fact that I've given, you know, auction to this shit again. But then I, you know, a younger creator, you know, when I was at uh, Houston a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the number of younger creators and the number of younger fans came up to me and just said, thank you. You know, thank you for stepping up. And, I didn't need their thanks. I mean, it's appreciate it, but I, I don't deserve their, I'm not a hero. I didn't deserve their thanks. I just, I want them to know that it's important for me. It was good for me to know that they know that they're not alone, that people are out there, that they're not, you know. They don't have to be afraid. That, they don't have to be afraid of these assholes. They don't have to be afraid of these assholes. They don't have to be afraid. Look, if you, you know, first off, I'll gladly take the heat for you because I got the shoulders for it. Um, and if that's my job, then that's my job. I'll take the bullet. I'll take the friendly fire. I don't care. I'll take the fire. I don't care. But the point being that, um, and again, I will, I will get chewed out by a half a dozen editors tomorrow for even giving these guys oxygen by talking about it. But, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I like the fact that there's people out, out there who hear this and know that they're not alone. Agreed. And when they get harassed like this, they're not alone and there's people looking out for them. Um, if I, as best we can, I'm not even necessarily looking out for them. I'm just. Yeah, You're on their I'll, side. I'm on their side. There you go. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. I'm not looking at them. I'm on their side because yeah. looking out for them makes it sound like they're like they're helpless waifs, and they're not. You know, 
It, but it is. But I'm on their side. And there are a lot of people on their side. And it's important for them to know that. There you go, John. As usual, you have taken your sword of Damocles and you've cut through the Gordian knot <laughs> of my 30 minutes of rhetoric. And what you've said is it's important for people to know that there are other people on their side. And that is why we talk about this. Thank you, Mark. Amen, son. I mean, and, I, and I'm on their side as well. And that's why we're having this discussion. And again, I keep saying this to people are in our age group and slightly older that there is a, a perspective that I think we have in our decades of, of just living. And ex- I mean, it really is, it's not wisdom. It's just, we've been around long enough that all of this stuff kind of clicks in. And I, and, right. and yeah, I, I, that's ugh, my, you know, I, I get angry. My first amendment gene kicks in. And while I, it's like, it's in my simple uh, further comment would be make the book that you want to make by all means. And you said it as well at the top of this, don't be an asshole about it and don't fuck right. with <laughs> these other people that just disagree with you about it. Exactly. Have at, you know, but if you, you know, if you think comics is going to, if you think comics is going to embrace you after you make videos on YouTube talking about women being, how much language can I use here? As much as you want. There's the free first amendment. Go for it. I know, but still, you know, but sorry, I just know what our limitations were. It's an adult show. Go on. If you're on, you know, if you're on YouTube making videos about how women in comics are cum dumpsters, Who get their jobs by sucking off editors and sucking off uh, you yeah. know, writers and artists? Do not be surprised when people in comics speak ill of you <laughs> and, and don't want to don't want to play with you and don't want to have you play their reindeer games. Do not be surprised by yeah. this. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. You can't. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is, you know, if you want to make your comics, feel free. Have at. But we are, you know, we as an industry are not going to celebrate people who refer to women in comics as cum dumpsters and talk about how they all fuck their way into the industry. That's just indefensible. It's wrong. It's not funny. It's not a lampoon. It's not a joke. Uh, It's said with seriousness and it's said with a misogynistic vitriol that the heart of it is, why can't I be in comics like they are? And it's it's a shame that it that it exists, but that exists. So. Uh, anyway, you got to point there out, you sometimes go. we got to point out the assholes mark and that, and and I appreciate you yeah. being as candid as you were and uh I'm 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 sorry <laughs> I'm sorry to leave well, you on you if, know no 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 put your put your put your feedback you know, right <laughs> now nah, so you catch me you know you you catch me you catch me the week after my friend Harlan dies and now oh. I'm like I I'm reminded of of why it's important to be angry sometimes. Quick, nice memory of Harlan, at least to go on and up. Great, great. I mean, look, I, I've known Harlan forever, and, it, and I'm not going to pretend I've known him as well as so many other people in comics, but I have respect him. He was my hero growing up. Me too, man. Uh, yeah. There's not, there is not a single other human being outside of family who has been more influential on me and my life than Harlan. Wow. And abs- un- unquestionably. I wanted to be him when I was a kid. You know, I, if, if they'd had Harlan Ellison posters, I'd have them on my walls. Um, I worship that guy. And growing up, I realized, you know, this, he's not, he was a complicated, difficult individual sometimes. Sure. And, you know, like we all are, but Jesus, he didn't like bullies. Yes, indeed. And he would, he would fight, he would fight to the nail. And I respect that more than you can imagine. I, you know, my greatest tribute, uh, or, or experience, and it really wasn't one that we were with personally, 
I'll save my own personal Harlan Ellison story for not your conversation, but another time. But uh, that pro- I did that show, Prophets of Science Fiction, for the Science Channel, and I was one of the talking right. heads. And this Isaac Asimov episode, it was such a pleasure that the last people to have the final word on Ellison, or pardon me, Asimov, it went Harlan, myself, and then Ridley Scott closed the show. And all of my college uh, friends that are nerds as well are like, Okay, who doesn't belong in that trio? I'm like, yeah, no <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, no, so brilliant. And yeah, I'll, I'll save my Harlan thoughts for another time because we've exceeded the meter as I drive you around yeah, the virtual podcast. Run over again, sir. Yes. I apologize. But, no, no, uh, dude. Are you kidding? I, you know, I would be thrilled to have, as you know, a Marty Pasco length conversation with you on Word Balloon. You know, we should definitely do this more often. We should definitely be doing this more often. Buddy. I have no idea who's listening to this. Oh, I have please. no idea who is. I you. How is it that the entire world is not tired of hearing me talk after all these years? Please. I got no idea. Are you but uh, shut up, man! I got Jesus. I, are I you kidding? Just, are you, dude, I dude, I've, I have been interviewed more. It's I've been interviewed more than anyone in comics, including Stanley. So I just I can't believe. <laughs> You still want to – I can't believe there's still an appetite out there for it. But as long as there is, I guess you can wind me up and pull my string in the back and I'll keep talking. Dude, beyond your – you know what we've just discussed in the last half hour, uh, your thoughts on Superman, every character. J- dude, the best experience I had – and again, I don't want to keep you, but we had that Marvel press conference when you and Rucka were doing that Daredevil Punisher Spider-Man story yeah. that crossed over both of your books. and. Honestly, your thoughts on Frank Castle, and it's it, just like you said about like I would never think of asking you. Although I think you did write eventually Conan, didn't you? Or maybe not. No, I've never, okay, you never have done Conan. Conan. Okay, well, just like the Punisher, and you were saying I never really thought about Frank Castle, and then you go out and spell. And by the way, we're balloon fans. You can hear that press conference on one of our episodes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like no people want to know what you think about characters, and again, it's perspective. It's not wisdom. Yeah. It's perspective. Being around as long it's as you've had and. You yes. know, and every now and then, like our last conversation, I found that short story that you did in that Further Adventures of Superman prose collection, and you did that yeah. story, Forget Me Not. And it's such a sweet little Superman story that would fit in any era. Thank you. Absolutely, dude. Good Lord. I love that story. And I, you know, it was I'm like, glad. I'm like, I think. Glad we, to hear it holds up. Oh, shit, yeah. I mean, so yeah. Thank you. So, no, it's always a pleasure. And yeah, let's please. I know it's. And then the next thing we know, it's been like a year and a half since we've talked on the air. Well, well, we won't let that happen this time. Let's let's nail this down before the before the fall. We'll have an excellent. Episode. Well, yeah, when they make the new announcement and stuff, and uh, we'll have more time and we'll talk more. But seriously, man, as always, appreciate the conversation, and believe me, the listeners do as well. Thank you, sir. I'm telling you, he's just as entertaining and interesting in person as he is on these podcasts. I'm always happy to welcome Mark Wade back to Word Balloon, and I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. It was all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, as always, League, for your excellent support. If you want to subscribe to Word Balloon, do you think Word Balloon is worth the price of a comic each month? Can you spare a dollar a month? If you can and want to support the cause, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or click on the front page ad of the Patreon account at wordballoon.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. A great uh, selection of Mark Wade product is waiting for you at great prices at InStock Trades. You can get uh, the first volume of his Daredevil run. Uh, lots of great artists on this, uh, but this was uh, The Devil Reborn. And uh, it started off with a very upbeat Daredevil uh, after all the years of noir. 
this was a great departure where we kind of got back to the fun of Daredevil. And it started all with this volume. Uh, it's 42% off for the first uh, hardcover, $20.29. There are other great books, like you can get uh, the hardcover volume two. Uh, this uh, also features, we, we briefly talked about it in the interview. It's Mark and also Greg Rucka, and it features that uh, Punisher Spider Man crossover that uh, I talked about and uh, again you should really listen to the press conference uh, that uh, we did Marvel Marvel did the press conference and it was really great to hear Mark and Greg talk about the characters but this is hardcover volume 2 of Daredevil it's uh, also 42% off $20.29 volume 3 starts his run with Chris Somney Javier Rodriguez the alternate artist on this but uh, you know both amazing artists I love the Somni Wade collaboration in particular. 42% off, $23.19. There are more volumes of uh, Daredevil's, uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil waiting for you. Uh, a couple, uh, like Volume 3 and Volume 4, are available. The trade paperbacks for $9.85. More premium hardcovers. Volume 6, featuring Javier Rodriguez and Somni. Uh, that's uh, 42% off $11.59. Volume 7 is uh, 42% off $14.49. So there's a lot of Wade Daredevil waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Uh, there's also things like Fantastic Four by Mark Wade and Mike Ringo. What a great run that was. And we've certainly talked about that in the past. 42% off $14.49 for the Ultimate Collection Trade Book 4. Uh, there's also... Hulk, Volume 1, Banner, DOA, Mark Wade and Mark Bagley, 42% off, $7.53. So tons of great Mark Wade product waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Don't, don't take my word for it. Just check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Have a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, San Diego is coming up. Now, I won't be at San Diego. However, I will, a month later, be at Terrificon at Mohegan Sun in uh, Connecticut. Really looking forward to this show. An inc incredible lineup of current and past comic book greats. I can't wait. I am going to do so much networking and get some of these people uh, both after the con but also before the con. Um, you already heard Jerry Ordway uh, in our last episode. And uh, coming up also later in July, you're going to hear from Don McGregor, who's also going to be at the convention. I'm hoping to arrange things with Roy Thomas before the convention and get a conversation with Roy. But, uh, yeah, I really want to talk to some of the all-time greats. Ryan Stegman, finally. After years of uh, good acquaintanceship, I'm uh, really excited to finally have Ryan coming on Word Balloon in the weeks ahead before Terrificon. So uh, just a sample of what's coming up in uh, the days and weeks ahead in July and into August here at Word Balloon. It's going to be a great summer, and I'm happy to share some of these great conversations with you. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018. Happy 4th.